Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Today we have finished Best Served Cold. Uh, pretty, pretty, eh, pretty intense, but uh, I'm not ready to jump into it yet. Let's get warmed up first, Dan. Luke. Luke, I think yeah. I think we need to. I think this is a new segment because I think the segment is Dan saw something weird and wants to tell you about it today on the pod. That's <laughs> I feel the like title of our. Segment. I feel like that's that's a lot of our warm ups. Um, and the thing that Dan saw this week was a livestock auction. Have you ever been to one of these, Luke? No. Okay. No, I so your boy stumbled upon a livestock auction this weekend honestly okay honestly uh i was going to the farmer's market on saturday morning and i heard somebody calling out over a loudspeaker deeper in the fairgrounds and i said hmm i wonder what that is (laughs) so we ventured in um first off these things it felt like i was intruding on something it felt like i was not supposed to be there because uh, there's no signage for it anywhere. There's mm-hmm. no like, hey, auction this way or anything like that. I'm going past like fences that have like openings in them that don't seem legit. Like I'm just following this voice. And eventually I end up with a bunch of like cages and animals that have tags on their ears and stuff. Um, everybody looks like they're all dressed so differently than I am, right? I'm in like... I don't know. I was at the farmer's market. I had like a sweater on and Ooh, nice. You, you had, you had a cute little fall outfit on. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was rocking my fall fit and everyone here is, is wearing like boots, like work boots, old jeans, sweatshirts, cowboy hats. And I'm walking around in my like ratty vans that I wore to the farmer's market. Uh, and there's no information anywhere as to what's happening. Okay, there's no signs or like this is the schedule or anything. I'm just like walking. I don't know if I'm supposed to be in places where I'm walking. I'm just I'm just acting like I know where I'm I am, right? Um and constantly <laughs> terrified that somebody's going to be like what are you doing here? Why are you why are you looking at my pig like that? Um <laughs> This sounds like you you made it into an invite only livestock auction no one was checking tickets anywhere luke (laughs) i don't i don't think well maybe invite only livestock auctions exist i don't think so because they want you to come buy the stuff right they it's for the public to come buy your like pigs and goats (laughs) and sheep and cows and stuff right what's okay what's our what's our attend once you finally get there yeah what's our attendance looking like uh okay it was impossible it was literally impossible for me to tell who was there showing animals and who was there buying animals whether or not those i'm Mm. I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between those total number of people there i would put at 150 okay okay those are strong numbers maybe 200 um also side note basically a free petting zoo okay there's a few limitations here (laughs) There's a few limitations that I do want to say out front. Like, first off, don't touch the animals that aren't yours. Like, you can't actually pet them. And second, mm-hmm. you ca- you can't feed them either, which is disappointing. Um, but take the kids. There's so many. There's so many more animals than at a real petting zoo. 
This is why this is why it's invite only. They're like, if we put it out there, people are gonna come and try to pet my pigs. And my pigs will eat them. My pigs will literally bite a finger off because they're trained to. <laughs> These are murder pigs. These are not petting pigs. They're guard pigs. <laughs> um here's the here is the golden nugget though of the weird thing that I saw, Luke. So I walked past just rows of pigs and goats and sheep and i get into the main area where they're going to do the uh display for them to sell stuff for them to sell these animals Mm -hmm. just off to the side they have the cows that they're going to be showing luke it is like a full salon experience in the area that the cows are being prepped Okay, I have never for, gotten for a the haircut. Cows, you mean. For the cows, I have never gotten a haircut that looks as luxurious as what they are doing to these cows. Oh, they're doing the they're doing the haircut there. They are cutting, shampooing, blowing, spritzing. Oh, these cows are man. shining. They are sh- absolutely shimmering. They look so good, and it's happening <laughs> in front of my eyes. These. These like rough and tumble, like cowboy boot wearing people are out there like with the with the spritzer and the comb, like blowing out their cattle, just giving them a real blowout. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It was incredible. They've got the lights, like everything is super well illuminated. <laughs> They've got music playing. It honestly is a salon atmosphere, but for cows. Interesting interesting i desperately wanted to take a picture the problem luke is it it felt wrong to me it felt like i was intruding on this like private thing and i couldn't i couldn't take pictures because it was like this is this is for you all this is you all's thing i I can't do this (laughs) man this is this is kind of reminiscent of when you told me about your experience at a like at that junkyard. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I'm into this. Um, how, so how long did you stay, actually? Uh, I was probably there for like half hour, 45 minutes. Okay. Do, do, were they doing Were they doing the like auction while you were there? I did not stay long enough to hear them actually auction off. Uh, this was like the prep. This was the morning prep, I think. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man. What a world. It was... How how much... Honestly felt like I was going through a wardrobe. It honestly felt like I went through a wardrobe and was in Narnia or something. Because of just how how different it was, right? How weird it was. I also love how often you were on fairgrounds for various reasons. Like, I haven't been on fairgrounds in years. And you're... I'm hearing the word fair... In this context, coming out of you like every two weeks. What can I say? I've got Carney in my blood. It draws me. <laughs> it draws me in. <laughs> I love that. I love that for us. Um, yeah, you you got to figure out where this is advertised so that you can know when they're happening, how to attend. Because because I want to hear I want to hear full uh, full event details at some point. Honestly, Luke. I I want to go back desperately. Yeah. 
now that I've gotten a taste, I need to be a part of this community. And I don't know if that means I have to raise a pig or something, but I'll do it. I want you to lose an lose a bidding war. Because <laughs> then it's like, oh, this guy's actually this guy's actually here to to maybe buy some livestock if he if he sees one he likes. Huge risk, Luke. Uh, the huge, huge risk. risk. The huge risk here is that uh, I am vegetarian and I would not even <laughs> eat it if I won. It's not even that I would win. Like winning is a big issue on its own. The next level is like, right. I don't, I wouldn't even know what to do with this pig now because I'm not going right. to eat it. Flip it to start a rubber pig. <laughs> I bring it next week and it's, it's like, it's a big buff. It's like a buff pig. The next week I bring yeah. it and everyone's like, what did you do to... To little oinker over here, right? Which is what its name would be. They call them that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because I, 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 man, what do you? Because you only saw the 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 warm up, right? Yeah. Oh, and it was incredible. So we have we have no clue. Like, obviously, there's an auction. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Maybe there's other stuff going on too. I, oh God, I hope so. I also wonder, like, these cows that they were giving just complete glow-ups to, Mm -hmm. are you buying one of those to then kill it and eat the meat? I mean, they they might be milk cows, dairy cows. So then why am I so invested in the shine of my cow's coat? Like, I could see giving their udders a plump, giving their udders a little bit of attention. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You know, maybe advertising the features, like really comfortable in the grip, doesn't right. doesn't ever kick sure. at all, is into it but not too into it. Do you know what I mean? Right, at the proper height for your stool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe it's just a little bit. I mean, right? It's just a it's just a little bit extra. They've mm-hmm. probably already done that back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now that they're here, they're like, we got a we got an hour to kill before a- the. They're getting a couple extra bucks starts. out of the cow. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I mean, uh, some of these cows were looking like a million bucks, so I wouldn't be surprised if they were going for big numbers. For sure. Big numbers. I, I have to assume that there is a raffle there and I want you to figure out what the reward for the winner of that raffle is. I need to enter the raffle. That's the goal. Yes. Is yeah. to in like get myself in the communities to the point where I feel like I can enter the raffle. Because mm-hmm. this has big raffle vibes, mm-hmm. right? It has huge raffle vibes. Yeah. There's also big 4-H energy here. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. like most of the people doing this, I think, are in, involved in 4-H. So that was the part that did feel a little weird is a lot of kids around. And it was just like, hey, single adult man walking around by all your kids. <laughs> don't worry about me i'm cool but you know i could not be and so that's potentially dangerous that's right that's right okay man i'm glad i'm glad you told us this yeah it was wild uh this this is i think this is just another installment in in a in a better name for a segment of uh dan explores the south (laughs) they have these everywhere luke listeners (laughs) If you hear the siren song of a loudspeaker and somebody talking kind of fast, follow it. Go see what they're doing. 
That's an invitation. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. I'm looking for it. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up with you at some point on this because, because we've got to. Yeah. I need but, to update uh, my fit first before I can fit in. That's right. Um, nice. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's get to the book. Like I said, we have finished Best Served Cold for today. Man. Um, I, I think my first note is actually a little bit late in here. Um, do you have one early? Yeah. Yeah, I've got one pretty early. Um, why, are, why, why is anybody using mercenaries? Mm. Why is anybody using mercenaries for anything? Because look what happened. Do we see what happened here? And this happens a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> Here's how you use a mercenary, okay? If you have a mercenary that you're like, yeah, I'd love for them to fight. You all go first. That's how we're using you. You all are going at the front. So we'll be behind you and we're going to be right behind you. Don't even, don't even stress about it. We're going to be right behind you. Spears at your back, but y'all are going first across the river. That was the original plan. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and Casca does a little talking thing. Yeah. And then he tells them to swap it. And then when they try to, change their like to to rebut his argument yeah he just like talks over them and then like goes away <laughs> it's like you you guys got to be a little more assertive <laughs> especially in this conflict right in this conflict they outnumber the enemies like two to one or three to one even right so right. like you don't even really need the mercenary just be like okay then we're not paying you then our contract is ended bye right Right. Or even split it up, right? We've got two we've got two halves of our army plus the mercenaries. Mm-hmm. One half of our army and the mercenaries are going through the river and then the other half are, are coming on the flank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that the mercenaries aren't alone, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah, this is the big thing, right? Is you <laughs> left the mercenaries alone. You can't leave them alone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially this group. At this like at this point. Like, you have to know that this group of mercenaries, especially, are, like, notoriously not going to fight until they're, like, sure that they can get the most money for the least amount of fighting. Right. Right. Like, mm. how they all deserve to die. I feel like all of these people in charge just deserve what they got because they just weren't paying attention at all. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Man. Um were you su- were you surprised that it actually was Casca the whole time? Dude, how did that happen? Can we can we talk about that? Cuz so Joe did a lot of work with that Casca character to make it clear that it was Casca cuz he was constantly like, "Oh yeah, remember this thing, remember this thing." And like nobody who wasn't yeah. Casca would remember that stuff. So it for sure was Casca. Mm-hmm. How the fuck did Casca get out of there? <laughs> I mean, like his the thing that he says is so like boring that I can't believe that it's the truth. 
Because like when when he comes back, I'm assuming that if it's not an imposter, which it's not, that there's something crazy that happened or like it was part of his plan, something like that. Mm -hmm. But he's like, oh, yeah, they just like had a doctor. It was pretty good. that like patched me up really well and I'm healed. But like, why did they do that? He just he just like murdered the he was like a part of a plan to kill their general. Right. Sure. Like maybe they didn't know or maybe it wasn't clear what had happened. And I guess he's kind of famous. But like, I don't know. I feel like, how did he get out? How did he get out of there? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's (sighs) just, it's classic Casca. Everyone thinks he's always dead. Never is. I guess he was wearing one of their uniforms, right? Yeah. Was he at this point? Yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah. So that probably helped. And I don't know if there were any witnesses left. I don't think there were any witnesses left alive. Mm. So you think that they just they just thought that he was one of their soldiers and just... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that said, <laughs> Casca... I, this actually leads me to a theory about Casca, Luke. Okay. I think Casca is a wizard. Okay, sure. Go on. Okay, so he is uncanny in his ability to convince people of things. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like there's some Jedi mind tricks going on where he's like, actually, you do want us to go up at the upper ford by ourselves and be the flanking force. And like, right. it happens. Uh, and there's constantly like... He keeps dying. Like, people keep think he has died. And it's like, psych, not dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is like a pretty, I feel like, low magic universe. Mm-hmm. But it, it is, like, there a decent amount, actually. Um, I I like it, honestly. If- and I, I would like that his only magic is, like, in his... It's like ability persuasion. to convince people of things. Yeah. Yeah, persuasion. Because he, that would be very on brand. He's like a nine fingers. You know, where like Logan doesn't really have explicit magic powers. He's just like really ferocious in a fight. And like maybe there's mm-hmm. some magic involved. Uh this is Casca. Casca is that, but without the fighting. He is just like kind of magical okay. in his yeah. ability to convince people of stuff and to survive. <laughs> Well, I was actually thinking more of, um, I forget her name from the previous series, but... Our demon, uh, our little demon woman. Yeah, who is like from Gurkle or one of the other nations that had been that had been conquered and like has a level of like supernatural abilities that is not necessarily like explicitly magic. Mm-hmm. But she's like faster than other people and stronger than other people. Yeah, I think. Yeah, this is this is Casca just with talking. He's so good at it, but also surprisingly not good at it. And this is why I think there's a magic component to it, because when he is like fulfilling his revenge on his captains, mm-hmm. the one dude is like, "Yeah, obviously I knew you were gonna betray me. That was a horrible." Like, you did such a bad job of convincing me. Like, your story was so bad, I knew right away what you were doing. Right. (laughs) 
That one seemed really low effort. Yeah, right. But it kind of like worked still. Yeah. (laughs) He had some help. He had an assist. But I mean, there's a sort of magical luck about him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And um, I don't know. Great to... I love reading scenes with Casca in it because he's just so funny. Mm-hmm. And the dialogue is so good. Uh, it's like definitely one of those where it's too creative to be realistic. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the way that they talk. Unless he's got a little magic talking power. Yeah. I agree 100%. Uh... He's got a little earpiece. Joe also did us a great favor because last episode we were bemoaning the fact that Costco was dead and we were like, who are we going to root for, Joe? Everyone's terrible. Yeah. Joe was like, don't yeah. worry, guys. I got you. <laughs> that was that was lucky. It was really nice of Joe to I do that been, for us. It would have been very tough. Very tough without Costco. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but my the, my first note actually is about the the fight. And I just want to give Joe some credit on the cavalry charge. The writing of the cavalry charge mm-hmm. was particularly good to me. I don't really know exactly what it was, but like the way that I think Monza's part specifically is talking about the charge just felt so, so good. Like a lot of the the fighting in these books is like what we've talked about before just like struggle and like people Mm -hmm. not fighting very well (laughs) yeah yeah and like those are good for sure Mm -hmm. but the the cavalry charge specifically i think wasn't actually that but it was still i don't know it just still felt really it felt like his ability to describe real things and like for the first time ever it was like an actual cool event Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean by this yeah yeah i i agree with you that well and I agree with you generally. I think Joe writes fighting really well. And I think he writes it well because he captures how chaotic it is, how it's just like a mess. Like it's just a complete mess and nobody really knows what's happening a lot of the time. And I think with the cavalry charge, why this was so great. And again, you put it in the way that it's like, it was a success, right? Like they were mowing down people. It was a lot easier. They were like killing a lot more people than a normal fight and they they were in much more control and i feel like that is how a cavalry charge actually goes like joe wrote it in in that way because like yeah when you're on a horse doing a cavalry charge you are in so much more control over the battle and mm-hmm. yeah it's chaotic but you're killing a lot more people you're just like mowing them down uh and yeah yeah it felt like more productive i think than other charges that we've seen that joe writes Mm -hmm. and i think that's what was so satisfying about it was it was like oh we just need everybody on horses guys have we tried this (laughs) it's a good thought it's a good thought um yeah i i will also say there's a lot of fight scenes in this section Mm -hmm. yeah and most of them are like what i'm used to with joe of being an absolute mess to the point where I think it was actually too much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like there's a fight with, I think it's Casca and one of the, one of the like Lieutenant generals or whatever of their, of the mercenary gang when they're 
escaping out of the tunnel that's about to blow up. Yeah, yeah. And like all of the fight scenes with that are one on one talks about like people like you know hitting their hands on the walls when they're trying to swing and stuff like that or like slipping. This one was a little bit much, honestly. Like, because Casca's not drunk, actually. No. But like, and he's, I think, is supposed to be a good fighter. Uh, I mean. I mean, like, within reason, right? Like, he can fight. Maybe he's not, like, top tier. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, this would, I, I feel like if you're, you know, when you're watching a horror movie and mm. someone, like, trips over mm-hmm. things and you're like, come on, man. This is, I feel like this is Casca in this scene and like some other characters in some fight scenes mm. where I, I do like the like messy fighting, but sometimes it's too messy. And I think that also is why I appreciated the cavalry charge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fair. Fair. I, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with you here. In the sense that the fight in the tunnel seemed a little bit too... Especially because Cosco was prepared. He was ready. He kind of had the element of surprise. And then still barely, like, squeaked it out. It's like, man, it was a knife against sword. Against somebody that you already kind of dazed. This should have been easy. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and he did do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he is just way worse, though. Then we end, then we give him credit be. for. It could be. Can we can we talk about like big picture stuff, or is there stuff you want to get to that's before we kind of wrap up and look at big picture? Uh, I think. Mm, well, go first, and and maybe I'll back us up if I if I have to. Okay. Uh, did Shivers seem pretty cringe at the end? <laughs> I don't mean at the very very end where he goes free and he's like, oh, I'm gonna go back to the north and see what's up there. I mean, when he was like, I'm going to kill that bitch. Mm. Okay. I think to to a certain degree, yeah. I, so I think there's different types of cringe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. D- and do you mean like, well, we'll ex- expound a little bit. I on, mean like pathetic cringe. Okay. Because, okay. M- I think Monza makes a great point here when she is like refuting all the things that shivers says about her like she essentially is like hey i paid you to do a job it was dangerous you got your eye put out which sucks yeah but like it could have been me too like i was there with you uh Mm. it just happened to happen to you it wasn't my fault like you agreed to all this like you came along the whole time you knew that this was a possibility and then you're mad that i don't want to sleep with you anymore when, even when, sleeping with you, I was a total dick to you the whole time. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a really good point, actually, um, that I honestly hadn't thought about at the time. Because I, it does feel like, as we're reading this, that Shivers has a good argument and like has reasons to be mad with her. Mm-hmm. And, like, maybe to some level that's true, but, I I mean, everything did, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, she never actually, like, did anything specifically that was wrong, I don't think. I don't... To, to Shivers specifically. No. I don't... I mean, she was a dick 
to shivers when she paid him after sleeping with him the first time. Like she was rude to him for sure. Sure. But she's like, everybody's rude to everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't know about that, but, um, but yeah, in this she, book, I think so. <laughs> she didn't wrong him. Like she didn't lie to him or mistreat him. Like, right. She, and she was like gonna pay him. Like she was going to do the things that she told him she would do. Mm-hmm. Shivers, you're pathetic. You're being a little pathetic here. Just because she doesn't want to sleep with you anymore, you can't murder her. You're being a little incel yeah. Shivers. <laughs> it's very true. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the one thing that I will say is that she does go out of her way to, like, crush his optimistic spirit. That I don't know if he ever actually had, to be fair. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it but was like a even hope. that, it's just like, but even that, it's like okay, you guys are just like having, I don't know, like, like deep conversations. Right. This is just talking about your ideals. This is talking about your hopes and dreams. You're not. It's not rude of her to tell you that she thinks the whole world is shit and your optimism is dumb. <laughs> Like it or right. yeah, it is kind of rude, I guess, but it's not like wrong. Like she didn't wrong you to the point where you're murder. You're now murder frenzy. You're into a murder. Stop being into a murder, yeah. shivers. <laughs> I actually thought the most cringy uh, was when they're at this feast. Oh yeah, and he's like sitting by himself, like growling at people. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> you're cringe, shivers. You're so cringe. <laughs> I think I agree. I think I agree with you. Yeah, <laughs> which was tough for for to read for our boy Shivers. It was. It was. Um, I I have another big picture thing actually about Monza. Mm-hmm. Ooh, actually, because I have one one about Shivers too. I'll I'll I'll, I'll go Monza first. Actually. Um, okay. So we get another one of those little like historical intros in in the last like part and it's describing what happened at it's describing what's happened at capriel yes um which is everyone thinks that it's completely her fault and she like ordered her group to like murder everybody Mm -hmm. and what we learn here is that it's actually not her fault because she told her brother to not let this group go nuts yeah and then left and came back and and they had um i i think that that's obviously better than having given the order yeah but i i'm not letting her off the hook for this i don't think no 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 these are her soldiers right yeah this this is it this is exactly it like i feel like maybe she and this part of the book is kind of trying to convince me that she's actually somewhat of a good person. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know if you're the head of an army and due to what I would consider your negligence, they slaughter like an entire city. It's still on you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And she knew that that, that there was a good chance that that happened. Right. It wasn't like she was surprised. Like, Oh, this group of soldiers that had always been cool suddenly turned and there's no way i could have known it's like no no you for sure knew 
a hundred percent what was happening and it happened and to be fair she doesn't she doesn't discount it in the story like the perspective we get is not her trying to tell the full story it's joe trying to say hey look here's what actually happened sure yeah and so she is never whenever somebody calls her the butcher she never refutes it is like well actually it wasn't my fault okay i think that's that's fair yeah yeah so so Um, i think she does accept the responsibility okay yes i think i agree with you maybe you're right that i i'm more directing this at at joe than i am at monza uh, and my my other point about this is that like, if this happened, and you're upset about it, and they went kind of against your orders, I don't know. Did you punish them? In any way? Can't punish them, Luke. I like. <laughs> Can't punish them. If you're not punishing them, that's basically like I. That's not too far away from having given the order. Uh, yeah, but if you punish them, then it seems like you didn't give the order. Right. <laughs> yeah, but after it's already happened, she can't make it seem like she doesn't control her army. If she if she then punishes them, it's a sign that she's not in command. Okay, okay, yes, this is true. I guess maybe the point here is that she cares more about being in command than the like lives of Oh yeah. Totally. Civilians. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I, also, yeah, just point, point is, point is, Mons is not a good person. How many times does Benna have to do some wild shit before you're like, I'm not going to give you responsibility anymore? I know. I know. Here's- after we've, after we heard about Benna being the one to, like, force her into betraying Casca <laughs> behind her back. Yeah. It's not too surprising that he also did this to, uh, uh, or so. Yeah, almost like we could have predicted it. Almost like we know who Benna is and maybe his sister should have as well. Yeah. Yeah. Just a thought. Well, actually, here's here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. We opened this pod or this series <laughs> talking about how the first scene, Benna seems so great. No, Benna sucks. Benna's the worst. <laughs> Benna's worse. Benna is a worse version of Casca. Benna is if Casca didn't have a hint of a conscience. Yes. Because yeah. he's he's really relatable, very funny, very friendly guy, but he is like evil. Yeah. 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 I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> Good riddance, I say. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Yeah, I, I I think I got a little bit frustrated with that part, and then when Casca tries to convince us and Monza that Monza's a good person, mm-hmm. she's not. I'm sorry. No, not really. But I do think she is like, I do think she's better than a lot though, and we see this at the end. Like, yes, she's very pragmatic, but like of all the solutions she could come up with. She does seem to come up with solutions that are better than not, right? When she's like, hey, just give the land away for free. Give it away for free to people to work it. Mm. And and all these, like, what seem like pragmatic things at the end, like, they're kind of good, too. Okay. I I guess. And where yeah. she, like, she's... I mean, it's, t- it's tough just because the bar is so low, I think. 
Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um but I don't know. She's not she's not as bad as a lot of these people, which is the bar. I think okay. I think that's that's fair to some degree. Yeah. Sure. Um so I do wonder though about Monza. Like she might be good. Is she unintentionally turning everyone that gets close to her bad? Ooh. Because Benna starts out not wanting to do any of this stuff. And Monza kind of pulls him into it. And then it seems like there's a moment where Benna takes a turn and kind of becomes bad. And then same thing with Shivers. Like Shivers comes in, doesn't want to do a lot of this stuff. And then Monza kind of pushes him to be worse than her. Yes. Yeah, I see your point. Like, is she a bad influence on everyone? Ooh, okay. This is an, this is an interesting angle we've taken here. Um, it's a little bit... Because I think Shivers for sure. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, there's times where he doesn't want to do something or go about things a certain way. And Monza does a lot of the time in this book... I feel like take the route that is like the most ruthless mm-hmm. when there are other options. I don't know. I think it's just the the tough thing is that everybody is like this in like her yeah. sphere. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like she's actually on some levels trying to be less like ruthless than other people. Like Morvir, for example, mm-hmm. once like kills a bunch of people in addition to the banker, right? right? And she gets mad about it. Yeah. And so she is kind of in the middle ground between Shivers and Moravir. Right, right. But but Moravir isn't corrupting people in the way that I think Monza is. Okay, yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's part of the danger of Monza is... She's like good enough that people will kind of like get close, but not so good. Like, but but that is like the danger is getting close to Monza because like she is balanced so finely and she's right. just like pushing people over into the abyss, just <laughs> kind of working through them to push them off into the abyss. <laughs> yeah, tough book. Um, okay, I want to actually bring us to Morvir for a second. Okay. Yep. And I think that we kind of we kind of make fun of him a lot. Uh huh. In this section, we being like Joe as the way that he's describing what he's doing. Yeah. Like his attempts at poisoning people have all had like very funny reasons that they have failed. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And and he does ultimately have like great success yeah right with the with the crown now i do i do want to say that this list of attempted poisonings that fail for for various reasons were actually really creative <laughs> i was kind of impressed <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> i mean yeah sure it was creative, but I don't think you get style points. I think you do. No. I think you do get style points. <laughs> he was trying too hard to make it creative. Like, just 
you have a he has like a foolproof way of doing this where he's got a blowgun and some darts and nobody sees right. it coming he just has to see them and then hit him with a dart right but then it's like they just i don't know i don't know i'm into it i think more viewers i think i think more deserves the reputation that he's gonna get at the end of this uh I, that's my that's my hot take Morvir master poisoner I mean it's interesting how Joe does a lot with somebody's like public perception their reputation uh mm-hmm. and the thing that this parallels a lot for me is Jezel mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. Jezel gets this reputation that's totally unearned uh at the end of the trilogy and here, Morvir also gets a reputation that honestly I think is a little unearned because he fucks up so much. <laughs> right. And, right. And but but it like benefits somebody to give him this reputation, so they'll create this legend. Um yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I don't I do appreciate the style and the aplomb that he's going about this. But I'm looking for results. If I'm not getting results, I'm out. I'm paying. I'm paying a little extra for style. That's that's my take. All right. Poisoning well. the crown so that he, uh, so that he it happens while he's being coronated. Phenomenal. Oh no no that was the only one I think he did a good job with. That was like brutal efficiency. Yeah, okay. He didn't plan that, Luke. Sure, the sure. Plan, Luke, his he plan... He created his own luck, Dan. His he created his pl- own no, luck. No, no, Luke, his plan. His plan was to go on this balcony and use tried and true blowgun to do it. <laughs> that was the fucking plan. His plan was not like it should have been to poison the crown. If he was actually good, he would have been like, I know where the crown's going to be. I got to put myself in the right position so that I can poison it effectively nope no dan you don't understand the key to being a good poisoner is taking opportunities as they arise and that's what and that's what we get here (laughs) and it's phenomenal he he poisons everybody when they (laughs) coronate him uh and it's great and i and i want to segue into my next point um Obviously too early for the coronation. <laughs> you mean when the other guy's still alive and holed up in his little fort? Like an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. They can't wait, Luke. It's better that way, actually. Can't wait. Why? I don't under I don't I don't understand. I mean if they wait. It's just like <laughs> if they wait, then who's can't Does does do they not know about jinx jinxes do you think oh i mean they have forgotten a lot of the the magic the magic has been forgotten in this world because like this is such a big jinx this is the ultimate one yeah how many sayings are there about this dan you can't you can't count your, your chickens. chickens before they hatch uh-huh uh-huh Everybody knows that. What's the other one? What's the other one, Luke, that you're thinking sh- of? All I'm the other, sure that, all the other I'm things. sure there's plenty more. I'm sure there are. <laughs> Don't <laughs> crown just, your king until the last one's dead. That's exactly. <laughs> there's more, trust me, on that one, uh-huh. I'm sure. Um, 
Anyway, you can't, I don't know. Come on. They, they, it is addressed, right? I think, I think it's Casca and Monza are talking about it. And Casca's like, doesn't he kind of making the points that I'm making? And Monza's like, yeah, I told him. I yeah. Know. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they've already got the cool hat. Already, okay. And it's true. I will say, Luke, it seems like a pretty precarious position that they're in. And they wait for like a month, right? I I guess. They wait for a while, I thought, because they have to put the dynamite down there. Okay, yes, yes, for sure. So but like, like that, yeah, that's how it works. You I want to wear my you hat have to win now. first. You have to win. They already won, Luke. <laughs> this is not the first time someone has fought a war for a kingdom. No other times are people crowning themselves like a few days before winning. Yeah, but they already won, Luke. Come on. <laughs> Why are you going to be such a downer? Let them have fun. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's true. I guess this guy has never won a battle before. Um, the, the, he did win one battle and was like, you know what? I think I'm king now. That's right. That's right. What a no, baby. 100%. It's pretty good. <laughs> Undefeated. That's, that's okay. Um, okay. My last note that I have, I want to take us back to Shivers. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, Shivers is super cynical by the end of this. Oh, he's a monster. Yeah. And he makes the point that I think actually is made kind of often in this like book and, and the others by multiple people about how like the way that you die doesn't matter. You're still dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the example that Shivers talks about is someone that he knew that like survived a battle and then like got cut on a thorn and then it like got infected and he died. And he contrasts that with the way that three trees died, which was like in an extremely heroic way. And he's like, you know what? They're still dead. Doesn't matter to them. So basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, no, it's not. No, yeah. I'm not. I'm not agreeing with this. Like <laughs> I realize that I would still be dead mm-hmm. afterwards. Mm hmm. But like, yeah, I'd rather die like three trees. They're not the same. Shivers also contradicts himself significantly. And Casca points this out too, um, to Monza, I believe. But Shivers is constantly talking about how great three trees was and how cool he was and how like, he's not constantly talking about how great this dude who died from a thorn was. (laughs) Like, the legends that we tell ourselves about what like good people are, it doesn't matter if they're dead or not. Like those legends are stories that we tell ourselves that change how we act. Like it matters. It matters to you, Shivers. Right. Right. And like, I understand the point that you're trying to make of being like, yeah, but once you're dead, like you are, you are dead and it literally cannot matter to you. And like, sure, but like, that's just so dumb. That's just such a dumb way to think about it. Because it's like, yeah, but who, like, I don't know. <laughs> I still care right now. It's it's like a lazy nihilistic standpoint, right? 
It's just lazy yeah. to me. It's like, okay, then why do any of this? Why are you doing anything? Yeah. Because you're definitely going to yeah. die at some point, And if it doesn't matter, just like quit. Quit now, please. Why are you so it's interested bad. in money? You're going to die. Who cares? <laughs> it is. I think, yeah, this is a good point. It's just, it's just super lazy nihilism. Yeah. And I, I can get that from the perspective of this world where everybody is constantly dying for seemingly no reason. Yeah. And like, I'm sure there are a lot of heroic people who die in really her- unheroic ways that everybody in this world sees all the time. And is like, well, I guess nothing matters, but I don't know. It still does guys. <laughs> well, also like if, if the thing that you always talk about is the things that you do don't matter because you are constantly seeing people die for, for like nothing for like dumb reasons. Like, okay, maybe choose a profession or a way of life that is not constant death. I don't know. What? That's crazy. <laughs> like, I know that you tried for like a couple weeks in a place with a bad economy and couldn't find a job. Thanks. But like, thanks Biden. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to welcome to joe biden's america joe biden's right? america um <laughs> but like I, it's not it <laughs> keep trying man uh yeah <laughs> it's like maybe maybe take your resume around maybe you should like get some get some advice on how to pump up your resume instead of just propositioning various business people for a job Right. Also, like, make a, make a plan, right? Like, I want to do, like, other than fighting, I'm, I'm, I like this one thing and I'm good at it. Mm. Therefore, I am going to figure out a way to do that for a living. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. Shivers is like, I don't know what I'm good at, so I'm just going to walk up to people and ask for a job. And when they don't give me one, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have you been in the world for more than five minutes? And Luke, here's the thing. I don't think people in the North are being set up for success outside of their profession of murder. Sure. I don't think that they have the job training or the like social like infrastructure to do anything else. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is really a big, we got to get some workforce development. It's a big cultural issue up there. Yeah. Ooh, a culture change. We need a culture change (laughs) back at it. Love that. Um, can we I'm 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 here to dunk on wizards for the rest of the episode, Luke. And okay. I, I first want to talk about Shanked. Okay. Did Shanked do a terrible job here? Like I get that he comes in clutch at the end. Mm-hmm. Until that point, did he do a really bad job of keeping Monza safe? Yes, absolutely. And this is a guy who has superpowers, right? That's right. Yeah. So then when Monza's in council as the Grand Duchess or whatever, and Sulfur is there, Ishi is there, they're like, hey, you have to choose a side. And Monza's like, I actually don't think I do because <clears throat> uh, Shanked, come on out here. And then Shanked comes out and everyone freaks out. And it's like, oh, no. <laughs> um, should we be relying on Shanked for protection from these huge, powerful forces at play in the world? Because he doesn't seem to be very effective. Yeah, this is this is true. 
The thing about Shanked is I think he got too elaborate. Mm. Where it's like his whole thing was like, I'm working against the interests of, I, 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 I can't tell if it's like both sides or if it's mainly just like the bias side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's like, yeah, I knew that Orso was like working for their interests. And I was thinking about killing Monza because she was helping him. But then after they tried to kill Monza, I decided to heal her so that she could go on her vengeance mission and ultimately kill Orso. It's like, why didn't you just kill Orso, man? You were in the room with him. (laughs) You looked him in the face. You were like unstoppable. Yeah. I don't know why you're doing all this crazy stuff. Especially because like the ending of it is like just him fighting everybody around Orso. <laughs> and it's like obviously Mons is the one that kills him, but like essentially Shanked is the one that like just physically fights and is responsible for Orso dying. Yeah. I don't I don't know. You're saying why do we have a middle why do we have a middleman? Yeah. Why did we <laughs> why did this super powerful creature need to have monza do all this work Mm. great question (laughs) (laughs) because like the only answer i would come up with is that so that like people don't know that he's trying to but the final scene (laughs) is him talking to sulfur being like yeah i'm i'm working against you i'm back (laughs) uh (laughs) I think maybe because at that point he's in a position of power, so he can do that. Mm. Because at that point, you know, he's got Monza on his side. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know, though. Um, It's actually interesting, Luke. I read Frankenstein, like the original Frankenstein book recently. Okay. A lot of parallels with that and this story, which is very interesting. The The story generally? Yeah, so Monza is sort of like Frankenstein's monster in a lot of mm. ways where she like is made up of a bunch of pieces sewn together. She's on a quest for like vengeance uh and is like sort of unstoppable. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of Frankenstein parallels except in this case Shanked is Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> and they team up at the end, which is not what happens in the Frankenstein story. Mm, okay, okay, sure. But 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 you're saying Monza has has big Frankenstein energy. Monza has monster energy. Yeah, big Frankenstein's monster energy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I uh, like that. I wouldn't have thought about it, but I like it. Um, we need to dunk on another wizard. Okay. Can it? Can I just say something really quickly? Hop in. Last thing about Shanked. What's going on with Shanked and his family? Being the father of uh, Vitari's kid? What? <laughs> weird. Very weird. Everybody. That's all, I guess. He's in love. Everybody's got love, I guess. All right. All right. He seems like yeah. a okay dad. Not a good one. Well, he is like I think thousands of years old. Yep. Right. Yep. I think. Like he's, I think he's one of the apprentices, right? No, with Bias. he is one of Bias's students. Oh, 
He's okay. not. I thought he was one of the original apprentices. No, no. He's okay. on like the sulfur level. And uh, okay. whatever the other guy's name was, who is one of Bias's apprentices. Okay. Okay. Um, we're t- okay, now that we're talking about Baez. So we already kind of dunked on Baez in the first Law trilogy. Mm-hmm. I think this is evidence of how much Baez is still doing bad in everything. Here's what I mean. You have the prophet sending like bombs to aid in his influencing of the events on this continent, right? Like mm-hmm. huge bombs, very effective, never before seen. What is Baez doing? How is Baez affecting this land to make it mm. more influenced by the Union or related to his stuff? What is he doing? What is he helping them with? This is a this is a good 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 point. I think the argument would be like he's controlling things through the bank. Okay. However, <laughs> yeah, the profit. Uh, is also sending tons of money. Correct. Yeah. It's like this. <laughs> and it seems like. And also, like, people that have supernatural powers. So we've got, like, really powerful people plus explosives. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of money. Baez is and a lot of money. Don't forget <laughs> the money because, oh, sure, Baez is sending money. It's not, it doesn't even seem like it's a, it's comparable. Which is not good. It needs to be way more if that's all you're doing. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and he doesn't even have cool powers, Luke. He sucks. Baez sucks. I know. Also, like, his money seems to have more strings attached, I think. Yeah. It seems like whenever whenever uh, the prophet is sending money in these cases, they're like, yeah, uh, win this battle. And we'll give you a bunch of money. Like a- Whereas, like, when Bias loans people money, they're like, uh, I will give you this amount of money and you have to be, I own you now. Like, I- I'm going to take the one with no strings attached, please. Yeah. Yeah, every time. Yeah. Uh, should we do reviews, Luke? Okay, yeah. Let's do reviews. Um, go first. I like this book a lot. I really like Joe. I think he's a great author. I think the dialogue is also, is always very good. The fights are very good. Um, I, I'm i glad that we're moving on, that we're not reading another Joe after this, though. And I feel like this every time we finish a Joe book. It's so depressing because it's so... <laughs> there's a lot of nihilism in a Joe book. And, yeah, you know, I mean, we have found the, the places where there's a little bit of of hope and this book doesn't end as hopelessly i think as the first law trilogy does it's it's a tough it's tough to get to the end of these books though yes (laughs) i think i was gonna say something similar where i completely acknowledge joe's abilities as a writer i and maybe i said this about first law as well i have a (laughs) these books especially this one was a slog for me at the end because like i don't care about these characters actually like yeah i don't care what happens to them i don't know i'm not rooting for anybody and like maybe that's i like i realize that that's kind of the point of the book Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like if i don't have anybody to root for and like everything that happens is super depressing like I, I very much can like 
understand that these scenes are written really well and the dialogue is written really well. I I just have a hard time like getting myself to read. Mm. <laughs> so I, I I don't know where I am in this. I I think that they're really good books, and I and I think this is almost word for word what I said about First Law. Uh-huh. I think they're really good books, but they're they're not a super great fit for me. <laughs> mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I I totally get what you're saying actually, and you may have said this. I think you did say this about First Law, but at the beginning we had very clear characters we were rooting for. Of like, yeah, we want Shivers to be becoming a better guy and we want Monza to get some revenge maybe or like at least, you know, find something to fight for. And and like by the end, yeah, you're right. I didn't care if anybody reached their goal. I didn't care at all. Even Casca, even the character I liked, it was like, yeah, I don't really care if Casca does whatever Casca's trying to do. He's funny. Right. Um. Oh, yeah. Our quest... That's so interesting. Our quest kind of loses its motivation because we stop caring about the characters. Yeah, exactly. Huh. I think I mean, maybe 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 other people do continue to care about the characters. And and I think I I think like in the previous books, like Logan in particular, I think it was easy to continue caring about. Mm-hmm. Um but th- this one I I I couldn't yeah i hear you yeah and i don't know i don't know if that was intentional on joe's part to be like how can i ruin the quest how can i make the quest not even matter by the end (laughs) um but yeah yeah okay um well luke let's move on let's leave this in the past and look into the (laughs) bright future what are we reading next so (laughs) next we're, we're we're coming to an author that I loved when I was younger, um, and and I'm now realizing that like maybe he's not quite as famous. But we're gonna read Legend by David Gamel, an Might. absolute legend, apparently <laughs> according to Luke. I've never read it before, so I'm excited to to get into Luke's past here with Legend. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and listen, uh, I think we're gonna read it in halves. Yeah, let's plan on the first half of Legend for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, happy happy Turkey Day also. <laughs> That's right. Gobble, gobble. Uh, and <laughs> we'll, we'll see you all next week with the hot takes. And still being dumb nerds. Yeah.